Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Welcome into the Ball Blast Podcast. I am your host, Kate. And I'm Michelle. And it's been a while since we've done that. It has been. Quite a while. It's been... It's been a while. Many weeks. Um, I think it was a needed break. We both had an insane season. We both started our new jobs, getting our feet wet. Um, I think it was a lot more than we thought it would be. Yes, it was. But we are going to dive into the 2021 season with full steam. I think we're going to come in with a clean slate uh, now that we, we have a little bit of time to get our lives organized, I'm very excited about that. Uh, we've got the playoffs, Michelle. Oh, the Bills are still in it. The Buffalo Bills. Bills Mafia, shout out. Yeah. I mean, uh, sadly, our Steelers lost in the first round, which stunk. But I think we both realized they didn't really have the team to make that no, like long run anyways. Deserved a hard L at uh, that point. At the point of watching the games on Sunday, I was like, I'm happy my heartbreak is already over with. <laughs> I was so heartbroken about the way the bronze game went down. But I was like, okay, I'm happy it's just done with and over with. Because 31 teams this year had their heart broken. Like only one team can be happy. And it's very unlikely it's going to be your team. But I'm excited for the conference championship games this week. We have four awesome games. I will say out of all of the... the Did I just say four awesome games? Four awesome teams, we have two four, awesome games. Four awesome teams, two awesome games. And I think out of all of the matchups that I could have envisioned this year, I can't picture any two competing teams that uh, have like a better matchup. Like I think these teams that are still left in the playoffs are such good fits. Like... Tampa Bay, they've got a good offense, obviously, but I think what really has carried them to this point is their ability to lean on the defense. Going up against Aaron Rodgers and the best offense in the league. Brady's going to have to bring his A game. A game. Because you just saw what Rodgers did to the number one defense in the league in the Rams, and it was destroy them. He put up nearly 500 points. Well, not him himself, but the offense put up nearly 500 points. It was such an easy game for them. It really never felt like the Rams were truly in it. Uh, And I think, I do think Aaron Rodgers comes out on top in that game, but it's going to be such a fun one. And obviously we'll be rooting for the Bills in the AFC Championship game, but Patrick Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, it should be an amazing game. I'm scared that these two matchups are so great, and normally when we have two matchups that are just amazing on paper, they end up being like, wah, wah. But could they just both be like that Rams-KC game uh, in 2018, please? That's what I want. Yeah. I want 51-50. My dad's listening right now cringing because he likes those defensive games, but give me all the offense. Yeah, love the offense. But, I mean, even in that game, we did see a lot of defense. I think there were, what, like uh, several turnovers. They were, there were fumbles yeah. everywhere. Some defense touchdown. There, were, there, there was definitely some defense played. They just played like they were on offense. So that was, <laughs> that was exciting That's stuff. what I want this week. Yes. But Josh Allen did not throw any pick sixes or fumble the ball. That's- but I will say, if I am envisioning the week correctly, I do picture – Kansas City and Buffalo to just sort of be 
similar to the Baltimore Ravens Buffalo game where they totaled 20 points Ugh. and we all cringed as we watched and bet the over. Yeah, that was rough. Who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? Like who, well, not who you're rooting for in the Super Bowl. What matchup do you want to see? I would love to see the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers. That's what I'm rooting for too, just because of how great Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen were this year. They both deserve the MVP. Aaron Rodgers deserves it just a little bit more. His season was absolutely insane, but Allen would win it basically in any other year. I think I want to see those two compete, see who comes out on top. But the Josh Allen, Tom Brady storyline, like not even their storyline, but the Bills versus Tom Brady storyline would be insane. Like they finally get away from him and then they have to beat him in the Super Bowl. Uh, If Tom Brady beats the Bills in the Super Bowl this year, (laughs) like that would be too funny. I mean, it would be too funny. Yeah, I I think Tom Brady would just have to retire on that now. You really do, because he owns them. He really does, and everyone knows I love the Bills, so I'm not talking crap on them, but Tom Brady owns that team. He is the Faja of that team. He is. But I will say, I like out of all of the, the Super Bowl com, like combinations you can think of, look at the strength of those offenses, and the defenses, they're fine. So that would have to be a a throwback to the Kansas City Rams game where it's just, you get a score, you get yeah. a touchdown, you get well, a touchdown. All four of these teams, I feel like the defense is really good on one part of it, either like good at stopping the pass or good at stopping the run, but then terrible on the other one. Like the Bucks, they will allow you to get some big completions, but they're good against the run. Opposite for the Packers, very good against the pass, terrible against the run. Bills, I guess, are maybe the most... Um, balanced, and then the Chiefs can't stop the run at all. No, I and you gotta love that. We are going to get into a quick segment about the postseason news, and then we're gonna give you guys a little throwback to our mm-hmm. preseason debates. And I won quite a bit, so I we will we will get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We will get to that. But everybody, please check out the Ball Blast Football website at ballblastfootball.com. Please give the Ball Blast team a follow on Twitter at BallBlastFB. And if you are so generous, please smash that five-star mark on your Apple Podcasts app or wherever you listen. Let's do this. Let's get into the news. It's just in. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bum, 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 bum. All right. We I, have retirement I, news. I feel like you should talk to me before you make these weird noises after second, like after these sound clips, you always come in with something. I have no idea what to expect. And I'm not good like that. Like I'm not good. I'm On not, the fly. Yeah. No, I'm not witty. You're the witty one. Oh. So you really put me in this awkward position, you know? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, giddy up because Drew Brees and Philip Rivers are headed to retirement town. No, has Drew Brees actually... Stated that he's definitely going to retire. Because I don't want to put something out in the universe if no. he hasn't. But he did spend a lot of time um, at the Superdome after the game. You know, if you are listening to this and you didn't watch the game, that would be shocking. Or if you didn't know 
happened. But, you know, Drew Brees had a pretty rough final game, if that yeah. was his final game. Three interceptions, less than, what, 150 passing yards. Not pretty. No, it looked really bad, too. And one of those interceptions came right at the end. But the whole game just was not pretty for him. They could have definitely won that game if they had a capable quarterback. If they maybe put in Jameis Winston. But uh, Sean Payton was in a tough situation there. Maybe knowing it's Drew Brees' last game, he did everything for that city and your team. You can't bench him. But anyways, he... I don't think we've officially heard. But yeah. before the game, Jay Glazer did come out and say... This is his last game. And he was very confident about that. He, it wasn't it wasn't a it's speculated that this is his last game. It was a very definitive this is his last game in the Superdome. Period. Yeah, and it, it did seem like that after and you know Tom Brady and him had a good little moment where they talked and then Brady threw the football to his that to was, his son. That was very sweet. That was a movie moment. That was. It was very cute. So Drew Brees retires, uh, and I, I think the biggest question marks then with Brees is what happens to Camaro, what happens to Michael Thomas. I mean, Michael Thomas's season was pretty much useless if you uh, drafted him in fantasy. He dealt with that ankle injury all season long, uh, missed a ton of time, and now he's going to have off-season ankle surgery to fix those issues. Apparently, he only played because he knew it was Drew Brees' last year. Which, like, we knew he was banged up. He was on the injury report all season when he wasn't actively missing time. So you knew he wasn't totally healthy. And then they placed him on IR for three weeks to try and really rest him up before the playoffs. But he never looked right, finished uh, that playoff game with zero catches, zero yards. That's wild. It's absolutely crazy. But I think you have to sort of temper your expectations for the entire offense until we have some idea of what's going on at quarterback because Taysom Hill. Yeah, let's say it's Taysom Hill. It, I probably am just staying away from that offense altogether. We saw Elvin Kamara literally pretty much fall off the face of the earth in Who? fantasy. Uh, when, yeah, when Taysom Hill came in, he would not pass the ball to him. Now, if it's Jameis Winston, he's not a mobile quarterback. He will pass to his running backs. I'm okay with that. Like, I would still go with Kamara High. Um, I like that for Michael Thomas. We know that Jameis Winston will... I like that for Traquan Smith. Chuck Just it chuck deep. it down the yeah. ball. He's going to chuck it deep whenever he wants to. Uh, and we saw he still had a pretty good ball there uh, last week when he was the only one who did anything for that offense. If it's Winston as a starting quarterback, I like this offense for these pieces in fantasy. It could be neither Hill or Winston. I mean... And we saw we saw uh, Michael Thomas able to produce somewhat with Taysom Hill under center. So uh, yeah, the Taysom Hill would worry me more for Kamara than it would for Michael Thomas. But let's say it's Jameis Winston next year as a starter. Where would you take Michael Thomas? Is he still a first round pick with what he did in 2019? And you're just saying, oh, it's just the injuries, or would you let him, you know, fall into the second? Where would you feel comfortable taking him? Probably say early second. I was thinking late second. Mm. I don't know. He's going to be a steal of the draft, I'm sure. It's going to be hard, though, to I think him. he's a dynasty steal right now because of the uncertainties at the quarterback position. He's not getting any younger. He's a PPR maniac. He's a great possession receiver. And I think what we're just missing from this conversation is the fact that 
uh, yes, Michael Thomas is whiny on Twitter, yeah. but he's a very well-rounded wide receiver. And and you don't get you don't have an eighteen hundred yard season if you're not good. I mean, yeah. that's just not a thing. No matter if you're getting slants or whatnot. Yes, you can make fun of him that he's just like Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry never even sniffed even close to an eighteen hundred yard season. Not even in the realm of the same universe. So. I still think he's a super talented wide receiver, and he will probably be a huge value um, come draft season, but we'll get into that way more as the um, offseason progresses. Guess who else retired? Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers retired. I'm a little bit shocked by that, and I honestly think the Colts must have said they want to go a different direction because he said the only way he's coming back is if the Colts want him back. Um, and I, I felt like Rivers had a good enough year to come back for one more year. Maybe this was totally his decision, but I feel like for him to just retire right now, it's because the Colts wanted to go a different direction. Now, maybe this is all speculation. They know that they have a chance to get Carson Wentz. Oh. Because of their connections. Well, I guess Doug Peterson's gone, but either way. I, you know, I just, I feel it. I feel Everybody... like Carson Wentz is going to be a Colt next year. That's wow. what I feel like. Um, total, total speculation. <laughs> so do not uh, go trade for him or anything like that. Do not say of, we told yeah, you first. I'm not reporting this. I'm not a reporter. I have no news about this. I just have a feeling. I got a feeling. Who else is going to be? Like, what is the Colt's plan? Because it's not to go back to Jacoby Brissett. You cannot do that. You already saw it. It's not happening. It's not to play Jacob Eason. Like, get out of here. They're not starting him. The he wouldn't even um, Frank Reich wouldn't even say that he would be the backup. Yeah, I I mean I think the thing about the Colts is that they've got every single piece. They've got the offensive line. They've got the defense. They've got the running back. They've got capable wide receivers. You are in win now mode. If this was a dynasty team. You're going all in. They're going all in. And the stinky thing for them is Deshaun Watson does seem to be available in trade. He's in their division. Like, he, I don't. Never going to happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, the Colts would have to pay 10 times the price of anyone else. And I still don't think it's going to happen. So that stinks for them. They're in we that already division. heard it's going to take probably three first round picks. to. And it would her. take 10 for them yeah. to trade them to the Colts. Now, I know that. Houston doesn't really have a huge say because of the no trade clause, but they still have somewhat of a say. They don't have to trade them to the Colts. They're not going to do that. They're not going to face Watson twice a year. That would be so stupid. If they do, oh, that would just be amazing. The Texans would be the worst organization in life. (laughs) I was just about to say that move would be so Houston. Yeah, if Bill O'Brien was still there, I'd say there's a There's a (laughs) 0.05% chance, but without Bill O'Brien there anymore... I'm giving it a negative. I feel like 100%. The, the Colts would come to Bill O'Brien and say, "Hey, we're gonna give you three firsts for Deshaun Watson," and Bill O'Brien would be like, "I'll do it for two. <laughs> like that's that's where Bill O'Brien is in the universe. I I don't I don't trust that. But but with Carson Wentz, he's in the NFC. So if the Eagles can get something for Wentz and they feel like they want to move on to Hurts, I could see it. I could see it. It hurts so good. Are you worried at all about Jonathan Taylor in that offense without Rivers? Because I'm not. No. I'm not. And then the pass catchers, I mean, yeah, T.Y. Hilton came on at the end. Michael Pittman had some good games. Obviously, you want them to find a good quarterback, for, especially for Michael Pittman. 
Uh, if it's Jacoby Brissett, Pittman will not be drafted by me no matter what. But if they get a decent quarterback, um, I think we can have a further conversation at that point. Everything's up in the air. Um, we'll see what happens. A.J. Brown has undergone surgical repair on both knees. He both said, knees? Both knees. He said he should have been out after week two. He should have been out for the entire season. But he wanted to play, and he made the Pro Bowl, he said. Uh, he said he played with two terrible knees and still made the Pro Bowl. That's scary because A.J. Brown looked good. It is. It's very scary, and I think because of that, you are probably going to get A.J. Brown at an absolute steal because even though he did – he performed really well. He looked good when he was on, but he still felt like an overwhelming disappointment at times. You know what question I had for myself today? A.J. Brown versus D.K. Metcalf. I think they're both going to be early second-round picks, uh, but it's just because of how early running backs go, because they really probably deserve to be in the back half of the first round. Who are you taking, A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf? I mean, I know if you look at the overall stats, UK Metcalf had a better season, but AJ Brown didn't miss some time. He missed some time, and honestly, if you looked he at felt more consistent to me. If you looked at the like injury reports and stuff too, like you knew he wasn't he, he was not practice. healthy. He barely practiced. Yeah, he barely practiced. At least on Thursdays. Every Thursday, every fantasy app would put him at questionable. And it was like, come on, you know he's gonna play. Get out of here. Oh, and the the scarier part is that he'd get like maybe a limited session in on Wednesday and then he'd be downgraded to yeah. did not practice. Like there, it was a very bumpy season, but the, the fact that he was able to persevere, the only question I have is I do believe the, the Titans OC has departed from the team. So does mm -hmm. that impact their game plan at all? Maybe they don't run the ball 375 maybe. times with Derrick Henry. I think the OC change is more of a question for Derrick Henry than it is for AJ Brown. I mean, he wasn't getting tar like hyper-targeted anyway, so I don't think a change in OC can hurt him. Okay. I think it can only help. I mean, how many running backs out there get 375 carries? Very, but very rare. it does make the offense more efficient. Yeah. So that – it, it I think A.J. Brown is one of those talents, though, that he's not just good because of efficiency and because defenses aren't playing against him. Like, he's getting the best corners. He's an absolutely great talent. A.J. Brown is going to be – He's going to be ranked super high in my rankings. Like He will be high. super high, but I think in most redraft leagues, maybe in more casual leagues especially, you're probably going to get A.J. Brown at a lower draft cost than you are D.K. Metcalf. Yeah, probably. And I would rather have A.J. Brown is what I'm saying. And we are huge, huge D.K. Metcalf fans. And yes. this is nothing against DK Metcalf. Both are absolutely, absolutely. It sounds to me fabulous. like you are out on DK no, Metcalf for next. Season. I would totally draft DK Metcalf if I missed out on AJ Brown. I'm just thinking of the two. I, I'm sure they'll end completely right there at the same page. It's the point of AJ Brown's consistency. I just feel like it's a little bit more. DK Metcalf has more of those blow up games. That's all. Um, let's get into our 2020 preseason debates. I'm only excited because I was right about three of the four. And we <laughs> the other fourth doesn't really matter that much because it's about quarterbacks. And it's about quarterbacks that really didn't do anything that amazing. Anyways. Oh, whatever. So the first, so this is what we did. We had a debate episode. And this was before the 2020 season. It was probably in the middle of the summer. Um, and we debated about four, uh, well, four guys. But four really guys. eight guys. Yeah. Eight guys, four matchups, basically. And... Uh, yeah. Head to head, baby. Do you want to talk about this first one? It was Nick Chubb 
uh, versus Josh Jacobs. And now maybe I'm taking too big of a victory lap here. I just felt like Josh Jacobs was a massive disappointment for where he was drafted and what he did. I don't know. Yes, he had that one great first week, but it was very... We're going to talk like, about Josh the, Jacobs. The weeks that he did great were very few and far in between. Uh, Nick Chubb just balled out. I mean, he's so good. He's, he's so good. Uh, obviously, I picked Nick Chubb. Uh, she picked Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I... Nick Chubb is probably the most underrated and under-celebrated running back. You put Nick Chubb in the Titans uh, offense, and he's just as good as Derrick Henry. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. He would be. Just. Yes, he would. Derrick Henry's size and speed ratio does give him the upper hand. Nick Chubb is very fast, and he's a big boy. Yes, but he doesn't have... 250 pounds of Derrick Henry How much muscle. does Nick Chubb weigh, though? He's not small. He's not small, but he he's not Derrick Henry. So leave I'm Derrick him Henry. Up right now. Leave, he's 227. That's pretty big for him. That's not uh, what Derrick Henry, I think he's 6'3", <laughs> I know. He's I, again, I'm not talking bad on Derrick Henry. It's comparing Nick Chubb to someone as amazing as Derrick Henry. No, I'm just saying that... Nick you give Chubb, Nick Chubb 375 carries, and what does he do? He gets 2,000 yards. He gets 2,000 yards. Yes. That's absolutely... I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying I, I think Derrick Henry would have like 20 or 30 more yards. Okay, 20 or 30 more yards. All right. Then this is what I have to deal with, guys, at home, is this nitpicking. Right? <laughs> like 20 or 30 more yards. So he would have 2,020 yards. I am the Derrick Henry stan. Leave me alone. Josh Jacobs, I don't want to get too much into Josh Jacobs because we're going to talk about him a little bit later in our uh, disappointment segment. But let's move on. So, Michelle, you had David Montgomery. I had Raheem Mostert. Yep. Not totally a fair fair comparison here. It was David Montgomery versus Raheem Mostert. They were going back-to-back in ADP. Why is it not fair? Mostert was injured. Mostert was injured. I know. Uh, the thing is, you're going to get away with two of these because they were injured, even though... Actually, I, I think Mostert did his thing, right? When he was healthy, he had a few games where he looked really good. Um, pretty much break-off runs or break-off receptions. But he did pretty well. David Montgomery, I mean, people are in love with him this year. I mean, he did start off like the whole first half of the year is pretty bad just like he was in 2019 he just came on fire towards the end of the year the issue that i i don't know that enough people are talking about is the schedule for david montgomery and david montgomery literally had the most perfect schedule to end the season and i'm going to blame that on his breakout listen to the schedule week 12 on he had detroit houston minnesota jacksonville green bay and then finished with the new orleans saints who he had 31 rushing yards against and 2.58 yards per attempt. No touchdowns. Yeah, let me look at this. So it did feel like he just had this complete breakout. And she is right. I mean, and it started... Those uh, are all bottom seven You started defenses. with Detroit. And actually, the two weeks before that were Green Bay, who was one of the worst rush defenses in the league. He had 103 yards there. And then Tennessee before that, who is also a terrible, terrible run defense. Only 30 yards uh, he only averaged more than four yards per carry in two of those games. He yeah. had volume this year, and that's what he had. So, guys. Lots of touchdowns, though, in those final games. Again, it has to do with the defenses. He only scored one touchdown, uh, one rushing touchdown, all the way up to week 13. 
And then he scored seven rushing touchdowns from week 13 to 17. I do think David Montgomery will be overdrafted next year. Now that I dig in a little bit, I guess. Now that I dug in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Now that you dug in a little bit. But I felt like he did. (laughs) I felt like he was okay. I felt like he definitely looked better. Because he was running against bad defenses. And for anyone's ears that just hurt because I was like screaming like a little girl, I'm very sorry. Anyways, I won that one. So, huh? Uh, <laughs> Jared Goff, I did choose over Ryan Tannehill, which I am surprised about because I liked Ryan Tannehill going into this year. But apparently I was also uh, being on Jared Goff. So you definitely won that one. I mean, Jared Goff was barely usable. Ryan Tannehill had some really great weeks. He the the thing about Ryan Tannehill, he wasn't uh blowing opponents out of the water, but he was the quarterback seven and he won you weeks. Like yeah. he he didn't kill you. He had to be hyper efficient because he had Derrick Henry, who stole a lot of touches. He stole a lot of touchdowns. So that but that offense was great and Ryan Tannehill didn't always kill it, but he never killed you either. Like it's never like he scored uh 10 points it was just oh maybe he had a 17 point week but then he would go out and have a 30 point week uh ryan Tannehill was a good option this year and then our last debate was dj moore which Mm. i chose versus obj you chose now you get away with this because obj got hurt but he was doing nothing before his injury nothing and that (sighs) offense got better without him now dj moore didn't like kill it either but he did have some Good week. DJ Moore was actually, up, I yeah, think, he, underrated this season. He ha- ended up having a decent end of the year. Like when you look at his final stats, they were decent, but it just didn't feel like he was helping you all that much. I would prefer not to have either on my team moving forward, uh, but I knew ABG, OBJ would. Ooh, 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 OBJ. OBJ was going to be stinky. And yes, he tore his ACL, and that got you out of calling him your wide receiver seven on the year. When but I see what offense he he's stung in, before that. Hey, hey, <laughs> whoa! When I when I see what offense he's traded to next year, I'm gonna say, "Ooh, BJ," because <laughs> he's coming back. I won't give up. What offense do you want him to go to? If I could pick any offense, oh my gosh, who would it be? If we could see uh, Deshaun Watson, let's just like imagine this perfect world. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson traded to the Colts. And OBJ, OBJ to the Colts. What would they have to give up for all of these pieces? I mean, the Browns Six gave up. first rounders? No. Uh, sure. What, what, do what you got to do. You won a Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm just saying that would be my absolute fantasy. Like, I, I, I think that would be just a oh, match Oh, we already talked about how Watson's not going to the Colts. So do you mean, where could Watson go? Oh, I, I don't know. I want to see those Fran. two together. What about Watson <gasps> and San Fran, OBJ and San Fran with... Uh, Brandon Ayuk and uh, Curtis Samuel. Uh, Curtis, could Curtis Samuel go there too? <laughs> Devo Samuel, Curtis Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, OBJ, and Deshaun Watson. Man, that would be a phenomenal. This is going off of with, the rails. With Raheem Mostert just with 2,000 rushing yards. Yes. Yeah. All right. Now that we talked about those debates and I was the winner, let's get into some biggest disappointments of the 2020 season. Like, I'm talking third-degree burns here. I'm not Ow! talking about, like, guys who stunk it up that you drafted in, like, the fifth round or later. Like, I'm talking about guys that you trusted with a very, very early pick, first rounder, second rounder, and they just did very little from I what your know. expectations were. 
I want to know who caused you to need a skin graft. That's what I want to know. Oh, yeah. Like, like who? A bad enough burn. Who made you cry on Sundays? <laughs> when I was little, um, this is this is a story, a throwback to my traumatic childhood. I was in preschool and somebody handed me a very hot bowl of soup. A very hot Did bowl of soup. Did you drop it? Of course I dropped it. I dropped everything. Why would you hand a preschooler a bowl of very hot scalding soup? I dropped it right in my lap and I <gasps> burned my entire leg. I had to go to the doctors for bandage changes. Was it a ter- teacher that did it? I don't think it was a teacher. Did they I, feel bad? I was in preschool, Michelle. I, I didn't understand emotion. <laughs> I, I I just remember having to go to the doctors and get my little legs all fixed up because it. I literally had, I think it was a second degree burn, but it was a very bad burn. Wow. And they handed, it was kind of like the McDonald's coffee incident, but it was a preschooler with soup. Yikes. Yeah. And, but I want to know who did that to you. gave you those third degree burns i do say this first guy we're going to talk about it's not necessarily fair to him that he's in this section i think all of our expectations were just insanely high and we were two of us a part of this big group that made him such a high draft pick and it was clyde edwards elair <laughs> elair he ended up being the running back seven ADP, and a lot of people took him earlier than that. If we're going to be completely honest, he was going middle of the first round by the time redraft season came up. As soon as Damian Williams uh, announced that he wouldn't be playing in 2020 due to COVID and opting out, and maybe that just wasn't fair to him. He's a rookie, right? He did okay. I mean, he didn't have that bad of a season. He did get injured at the end of the year. And then he's with Patrick Mahomes, right? When you're in an offense with such a great quarterback, they're going to want to keep the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands, not hand it off to a rookie running back. He had a couple 100-yard games. He hasn't had one since week six. He only had four games with a touchdown. Never really had that blow-up game. He did end up having eight games over 10 fantasy points and half PPR. And that's okay for a rookie, you know? And then by the time we got to midseason, they brought in Le'Veon Bell, who Le'Veon Bell stunk it up and he didn't do anything. I think Clyde did all right for his first season. And I I do expect him to get better next year, especially in the touchdown category. Um, But yeah, drafting him in the first round was not smart and it really hurt you. It was definitely not smart. And I think it's it's really about managing your expectations because if you drafted him in maybe the fourth round you'd probably be pretty happy or at least decently happy with yeah those 100 yard performances and like i said he had eight games over 10 fantasy points like you'd be happy with that if he was a normal round pick it's just because he went in the first round and you expected so much and you know what is sort of interesting in my analysis of derrick henry what I said broke us away from Derrick Henry and not believing in Derrick Henry was not Derrick Henry. It was the expectations that we were setting for him 
And we did that to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, and he wasn't getting touches in the middle of the season. I mean, he was getting like eight carries a game. When he got a lot of carries, he was good. And he still had those issues around the goal line. Maybe he's not a goal line back. But I do think he will get more touchdowns than four next year. It just happened to not go his way. I, they're not going to bring Le'Veon Bell back. No. It's so bad. Le'Veon Bell. They didn't even use him last week, and Clyde didn't play. Yeah. He is on a one-year deal, um, and also worth noting, Daryl Williams is a restricted free agent. I would expect them to bring Daryl Williams back, but I don't picture Le'Veon Bell in that offense. I think if you have a healthy Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I think you're just going to continue with the game plan. And one thing he wasn't used a lot, and they started using him more towards the end of the season before he got injured, was as a receiver. I mean, he was one of the, he was a fantastic receiver at LSU. He was used a ton by Joe Burrow. So I do think Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid figures out a way to be, make him more of that uh, bell cow back. I, I think he'll be a good draft value next year. I really do. I think he's going to end up going at the end of the second round, early third, and I will snatch him up right there. That's, that's where you have to really um, be a vulture and attack your opponents where they were hurt last year. Yeah. So like, look at your, look at your current leagues that you're in right now. Find the CEH manager. Now it's always going to come down to how people price him out, right? Because this next guy we're talking about, Joe Mixon, it doesn't matter what that dude does. He continues to get hype and somehow he continues to go in the first round or early second. It doesn't matter how bad he is. It really doesn't. Now we're going into his fifth season and I'm sure that same hype will happen. So if that happens with Edwards Alaire and he ends up being a first round pick next year, like, no, I'm not going to take him because why take that risk in the first round when we haven't seen it yet? Um, and then, so they get into Joe Mixon. We're not going to talk long. Y'all know we're not Joe Mixon fans on this podcast in fantasy and in life. Um, but again, before he got injured, he averaged just 10 points per game and half PPR in five of his six games. He had that monster blowout against the Jaguars. I would think most people would admit they're the worst defense in the league, or at least bottom three, um, 39.1 points. He scored three touchdowns. It was amazing. Great performance. That's it. That's all he had. It boosted his um, end of the year look, outlook. Uh, it's because of the fantasy points per game, but it's also yeah. because he didn't Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, play. he got hurt. But also at this point, it's like, okay, he's been injured like every year of his career too. So um, he did play through the ankle injury last year, but people say that's why he struggled in 2019 is because of the ankle injury. So he does have trouble staying healthy as well. The rest of those games, besides the Jaguars game, he scored 5, 10, 7, 12, 13 points. You drafted him as a top-tier running back in the first round. That's a massive disappointment. And unlike Clyde Edwards-Elair, it had nothing to do with the lack of touches. He had 20 to 30 touches in every game. Never less than 20 touches. He gets... Uh, hyper touches. You know how we say hyper targeted? Like he's <laughs> hyper touched. Um, that's very weird. Uh, he gets so many touches. So yes, if he falls to the back end of the second round, early third, <laughs> like we're talking about Clyde Everett's Elaire, I think at that point Mixon becomes a value as well. Just hyper because of hyper touched. <laughs> just because of the touches he receives. Um, which are hyper. <laughs> which are hyper touched. Uh, he will be worth the value at that point. But if he goes in the first again, which people will talk him up and he'll end up going there, um, he's not worth it. He averaged 3.6 yards per carry on the season. Yikes. Um, and three of his four touchdowns came in one game. The Jags game. 
So. You just can't reel in the tone. When I you can't. Talk about I mean, I'm not and... going to say anything else, and I really don't want to talk about him in the off season. If you want to hype him up again, if you want to draft him again super early and deal with those inconsistencies, then just do it. Enjoy losing again. Okay. Um, over under where Joe Mixon's ADP falls. It's in going 2021. to be. No, no, no. I'm setting the over under. Two oh five. Half PPR. I think. Um, I think that's where he'll he'll probably go. Um, over that like he'll probably be drafted before that wow okay there are some massive like you would think that joe mixon was like this amazing dude the way people love him <laughs> like they just forget what he did before entering the nfl moving on miles sanders big disappointment and we love this dude right like miles sanders we oh not you sorry actually i was on the miles sanders train before the 2020 season you told people to stay away 100% correct on that one. Uh, he ended up as a running back 16 and half PPR points per game. Uh, average 13 points per game. A lot like Joe Mixon. His uh, end of season stats and uh, points per game kind of were skewed by a couple big games. Uh, he had 23 points against Pittsburgh, 28 points against the Saints, and then had a lot of just really bad games in between those. Uh, weirdly enough, Pittsburgh and the Saints are great defenses, so it's odd that those are the two that he decided to break out in fantasy against. What are you doing with Miles Sanders? Because, I mean, when we're talking about the Pittsburgh game and he had 23 points, he had a 74-yard rushing touchdown and then ended with 80 rushing yards. <laughs> like, that's six yards the rest of the game. In the Saints game, he had an 82-yard rushing touchdown Ended with 115 rush yards, so 30 more rushing yards the rest of the game. It was those big plays that helped him. Do you trust him next year with a new coach, maybe new quarterback? You know, I I can't help but think. So, Miles Sanders, my biggest concern was honestly touches. And I actually think compared to my expectations for him, he got plenty of touches. 16-game uh, pace. He only paid, played 12 games this year. But he would have been on pace for right around 250 touches in 16 games. I think that's that's reasonable. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't think that's a a bad pace whatsoever. Uh, was on pace for 70 targets for the season. That's fantastic. So he actually sort of disproved the reason that I wasn't a huge fan of him, and the fact that he got touches. It was the performance. 220 is pretty low though for a lead back. It is. It's pretty low. Yeah. But you're looking at a a back that you know, is receiving maybe five targets per game. That's, you, you like that. You mm -hmm. like the opportunity there. But I think he was a big product of the offense struggling. And I don't know, I, I think there are just so many different revolving doors in Philadelphia right now. You don't know who the quarterback is. There's a lot of just, it, it sounds like a lot of tension in that locker room. Just with the the removal of Doug Peterson, then you have this Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz isn't happy. It just doesn't sound like a great place for this player to grow. How many games did the Eagles win this year? Like three, right? I think it was three, maybe four. But it, you're right. It, I do think Miles Sanders is somewhat to blame for this offense. He They won that Saints game, and I think we'd all agree that was probably their best game of the season with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders both having great games. But like I brought up, he had the 82-yard rush touchdown and then ended with 115 rush yards. Like, that's it. Um, and that's what he did. So he had three rushes this year 
over 74 yards um, or more, which is pretty wild. 74 yards, 74 yards, and 82 yards. That's not an easy thing to do. You have to be talented. You have to be super fast. You like, you have to be really good to have that happen. I'm not talking down on Miles Sanders' talent, but that means he gained 230 of his 867 rush yards on those three carries, just three carries, uh, just 637 rushing yards the rest of the season on 161 carries. That's an average of 3.96 yards per carry. So he's kind of one of those players. It's like, okay, you got that huge boom uh, game or nothing, right? I, I do also want to point out, so another part of my hesitation with Miles Sanders, we did learn of a hamstring injury prior to the season. Mm-hmm. That was part of my worry because we know these hamstring injuries. I mean, Julio Jones, his season was wrecked because of a hamstring injury that just never yeah. got the opportunity to heal. That was preseason. I wonder if that had any impact on his ability for big plays, for just overall endurance for the season. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's it's worth wondering if that It is impacted. odd. Like, I felt like he was better at the beginning of the season, so I'm not sure it's the hamstring unless he re-injured it. He went through a five-game stretch in the middle of the season where he scored 11, 12, 7, 5, and 3 fantasy points. Ouch. Yeah. And the thing is, like, you're bringing up targets before. He really wasn't used that much as a receiver this season. Hopefully that changes with a new coach and quarterback. His highest receiving yard game was 36 yards. And that was week two, his first week he played. He only hit 30 receiving yards twice. The issue is not the targets. The issue is the receiving yards. He's not not sustaining high yards per reception. He's not getting a lot of yards after the catch. That's that's really the problem. He's actually carrying lots of offensive snaps. The recipe is there. The touches are there. It's, I think, a product of the offense. So I don't take that for what you will. I don't want a part of that, I don't think. Yep. At I least agree. until it's fixed, and until then I get good vibes. Our last one here, I mean, we're going to talk about some more uh, bad, big disappointments, but this is our last third degree burn one where it like just really killed you. It's Mark Andrews. And I know I brought up first or second round and Mark Andrews didn't go there, but he was going as a fourth round pick or earlier as a tight end. And somehow this dude ended up as a tight end five in half PR. I have no idea how. I want to talk, I want to talk about Mark Andrews because yeah. he was one of my biggest soup burns this year. I feel like we should coin that term, super? hashtag soup burn. Okay. Because um, the issue was not where Mark Andrews finished on the season. Literally, tight end five. And when I saw that, I was shocked. I know. He did nothing. I don't He understand. did absolutely nothing. And the issue was not where he finished because you drafted him as the tight end three. He finished as the tight end four. That seems pretty good. The issue is that Kelsey Kittle and Waller – all did so much better. And then everybody that performed in that same range as him, you didn't even need to draft. Yeah. They came at an undraftable price. Mark Andrews just didn't do what you needed to. He didn't perform at that level that uh, it, it seems like it's either Kelsey Kittle, Waller, or Bust, right? And it really is because they actually else. received targets. Uh, and so the thing with Mark Andrews is you're living and dying off of touchdowns because that offense just doesn't throw that often. And you can do that with so many different tight ends. I mean, Robert Tunyon, uh, he felt like a better tight end to me. 
this year. Was did he really end lower than Mark Andrews or was he the tight end four? He was the tight end three. Oh, and really? he was over TJ Hawkinson? Yes. Wow. So yeah, so you have Robert Tunyon who was not drafted. You have TJ Hawkinson who went late. He was a late round pick. He was a tenth rounder. Logan Thomas, your tight end six, undrafted. Mike Gasecki, your tight end seven on the season. He was a 10th router. And I'm sorry, Mike Gusecki and Logan Thomas did nothing for pretty much the whole year. Logan Thomas ended up coming uh, together at the end of the year. Robert Tunyon was very much touched on or bust. So when you're comparing these guys to Mark Andrews, where you had to give up a fourth-round pick, a premium pick for him, he, I think he was one of the biggest disappointments this year. And it has to do with that ugh, Ravens the, offense, yeah. man. Like. Jeez, that Ravens offense lives and dies off of Lamar Jackson's legs. And Lamar Jackson is such an athlete and so amazing on the ground. It's impossible to stop him, even when you know that's all they're going to do. I mean, teams have to know that because we'll be like, he's going to run up the middle. It's third and three. They're gonna, he's going to run up the middle. And it doesn't matter. Teams don't know how to stop him. It, he's that good. But this is what really hurts the most. I was checking out ADP from 2020. Mm-hmm. If you missed, uh, or if you drafted Mark Andrews, you might have missed out on these players who actually had a lower ADP than Mark Andrews. Uh, Calvin Ridley. Thanks. DK Metcalf was drafted behind Mark Andrews. Allen Robinson. Keenan Allen. Those Stephon names. Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs. Those names are literally a knife in my stomach. If you could have Stephon Diggs and you drafted Mark Andrews, I mean, yes, it's. I'm not making fun of you. Like, I probably would have done the same thing. It just, it really, really hurts. But it it's hurts. It's a big, big soup burn. It's, it's a big soup burn, especially just looking at the overall landscape. You either get one of these performers that is going to put up 200 plus points in half PPR formats, or you go home. And this Punch. is why people say don't draft tight ends early. And now, Travis Kelsey is maybe a different story. Like, I, this is my biggest uh, worry about Travis Kelsey is people finally came around uh, drafting Rob Gronkowski in the first round. After so many years of his greatness, people finally came around to it, and Gronkowski was going as, like, an eighth overall pick, and that was the year it all fell apart for him. I'm so worried for that to happen to Kelsey because he is getting older, and it's like, how many years can he be this great? I mean, it's now three straight years of 1,300-plus yards, nine-plus touchdowns, the dude is amazing. I mean, he's absolutely amazing just for a wide receiver, let alone a tight end that you get to plug into your tight end spot. It's a cheat code. So if you do get the chance to draft Travis Kelsey in the first, I think it's smart. Unless he falls off the face. like I'm just so worried. Rob Gronkowski has ruined me. He he absolutely hurt a lot of people. You drafted Gronk that year. That I remember was the it. Year. Every year. You were obsessed with Gronk, and you drafted him in every draft, first round, Around eight pick, eight, like pick eight to ten, and he destroyed people. Yeah, I remember Michelle. Because if you take a tight end there, <laughs> and they are not, you're, if they're not Kelsey of twenty twenty, it's a really bad pick. Like that's how good they have to be. There is no in between. It's not like oh he was okay. <sighs> it's not like a running back where it's like oh well he had some good weeks. It's like no he has to be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Travis Kelsey in the first is going to be a discussion that we have. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's all of our third-degree burns. Uh, we want to hear 
like who gave you a third degree burn? I'm sure. Who gave you a soup burn? Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty more. So write us up on Twitter. I'm at ballblastum. Kate is at ffballblast. We're not done. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, we're gonna just hit on some quick first degree burns. You know, where it's like you uh, got a you, little blood blister. You grab that uh, pizza out of the oven. You're a little too excited about it, and you touch that little stove. It's it sounds hot. like you're speaking from personal just experience. Just like a week ago, yeah. <laughs> just a week ago, that happened to me. So maybe you drafted them a little bit later. You weren't expecting a whole ton, but you were excited to draft them. Um, and they just hurt you uh, because they didn't go late enough is really the deal here. Michelle, the first one, I, I'm going to lead us into this one. Okay. Todd Gurley. Yeah. ADP running back 17 yeah. off the board. I actually, I, I feel like this isn't such a bad burn. And I want to, I want to plead my case to the court. Okay. Todd Gurley, he was drafted as the running back 17. I thought he would be drafted as a value. And honestly, if we look at like the the point of the fantasy football season that led up to your playoffs, he was a really good value. Let's just, let's take a minute. Let's step back. Look at weeks one through nine, had nine touchdowns, averaged 93 scrimmage yards per game. He was an RB1, RB8. That's pretty well. That is That's half of your fantasy season. That More. is half of your fan. He got you to the playoffs and you drafted him as the running back 17. He only had two performances in that span with 10 or fewer fantasy points. He actually was a pretty safe asset and he had multiple touchdown performances. He just fell off the face of the earth. He fell off the face of the earth, but I don't think it was without warning. I think we... We saw it coming. I don't know. People were playing him still for a couple of weeks there until they realized what was happening. I mean, it was just... It was ugly. It got ugly very quickly. Yeah. So I'm not here to talk about that. But I still do think Todd Gurley was, overall, for what you drafted him as, he was a value. Because yeah, because he, of his price, he's not a third-degree burn. He's not... You didn't have to take him in the first three rounds, really. Maybe the end of the third... He was fine. I mean, he did his thing weeks one through nine. Nothing crazy. It's not like he ever won a week for you, but he wasn't killing you. He was a good person, good player to plug into your He's running back. He's a good person. He was a good player to plug into your running back two spot if you needed one. It's just he did nothing towards the end of the year, like nothing, nothing. I'm pretty sure he had a game with negative three yards, another game with like one yard. I, I sold him in uh, Dynasty for, uh, what was it? Rashad Perriman and a second round pick next year. And that feels a like rookie a steal. Steal. Feels like an absolute steal. It it really I does. just wanted to get him away from my team as soon as possible just to get anything. I sold him before he actually fell off, but I was like, I could see it coming as happening. I don't care. I just want him off my team. He's only 26 years old. But his knees are beyond that. And I think I don't think that Todd Gurley is going to become something in 2021. Nope. He had a one-year deal with not, the Falcons. Nope, nope. I, I'm not projecting anything for Todd Gurley. He had every forward. opportunity with the Falcons. His competition was Ito Smith and Brian Hill. There's nowhere else he can go. They both look better. Yeah. There's nowhere else he's going to go that's going to be any better of a situation. Not touching him. Don't care how far he falls. No. No. I'm taking someone that has potential. If Todd Gurley ends up outscoring them because the player I take does absolutely nothing, I don't care. It's not going to make a difference. I'm taking a guy who has some potential when you know Todd Gurley has none. He's off my draft board in 2021. All right. Other guys that gave you a first-degree burn, maybe like a really bad sunburn, 
Mark Ingram drafted as the running back 21. Le'Veon Bell, Leonard Fournette, they were running backs 23 and 24 back to back. Leonard Fournette, he's done you a lot more good if you you used him in the fantasy playoffs or you've been playing his uh, over-under for like DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, Fournette actually had a few good games this season. Unlike Bell and Ingram, they did absolutely nothing. Mark Ingram went from a top 12 running back in 2019 to just useless in 2020. And part of that, I think, was just the overall increased usage of Gus Edwards. I, I genuinely feel like if you saw Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins both featured, I think they both could have been productive but it's that third element in there that yeah. really just tarnished his value. Now he's been released. Do you think Mark Ingram lands on a team in 2021? I don't know. He, he's, he's old. He is going to be 32, I think. That's, that's pretty old. I'm not going to really trust him anywhere. There's so many free agent running backs. There's so many good running backs coming in from the draft. He's not going to get paid anywhere he goes. He might get a couple million um, I don't think any team will be signing him as a starter. But the one thing that is pretty crazy is that these three, Ingram, Bell, and Fournette, so three guys that were known to be pretty great talents here just a year ago, uh, total combined fantasy points, 230. Oops. Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, and Dalvin Cook all had 315-plus fantasy points, so they all had... Uh, nearly a hundred more fantasy points than those three combined. Combined, David Montgomery, Aaron Jones, and Jonathan Taylor all had more points um, separately than those three did have combined. So yikes, they were massive disappointments. Massive, massive, massive. And anyone who traded for Le'Veon Bell as he got traded to the Chiefs and were uh, you know excited that he was going to a great offense, not traded, signed. Oh yeah, signed. You're right. He was cut by the Jets. That should have been a huge warning sign. Uh, but yeah, if you're excited, he signed with the chiefs and traded for him. I am very sorry. DJ Chark. That's my boy. Yeah. I know you're looking at me. He's my boy. Uh, wide receiver 22. The reason, I mean, he did nothing this year, right? Like he could be a third degree burn, but he was drafted fifth, sixth, seventh round. Like that's not going to kill your team. So we put him here at first degree burn. I did very little this year. Dealt with injuries the majority of the season. Um, he put together a couple good games. You know, he had a 25-point performance, a 24-point performance. Um, but besides that... He killed you. Yeah. He literally killed you. The worst thing is that he did put together those performances. And one was in uh, his third game. So you thought, oh, I can plug him in. And then he scored three points after that. When he started off this... So, like, week one, 10 points. Week two, 10 points. Week three, 25 points. Yeah. And you're thinking to yourself, oh. Oh. You're thinking you could start him because week one, he had that touchdown. The next week, he had 84 receiving yards. That's good. And then that third game, he had 95 receiving yards and two touchdowns. He so is like, a cool. tricky little devil. And then he puts together that 3.1 performance. You're like, okay, well, he's going to come back. Eight points, three points. Then he puts together a 24-point performance that no one had him in the game. And then seven points, six points, eight points, two points, seven points. That's streamable. He did nothing. He did nothing. Now, Trevor Lawrence comes to town. We have a discussion here if we want to trust him again next year. Like I said, he did deal with injuries. Maybe that had something to do with it. We saw him do nothing his rookie season, break out his second season, and then pretty much do nothing again his third season. So he does make me a little bit nervous. Trevor Lawrence coming, though, 
likely. Like, if Jacksonville messes this up and does not draft Trevor Lawrence and at the one on one, that's a whole other. I mean, I think conversation. The, the only way we'd probably see that is if they traded back. Yeah, but you're still stupid. If you do that, you desperately need a quarterback. You take the guy that's being called one of the best quarterbacks since being called the best quarterback since Andrew Luck uh, was drafted, yeah. coming out as a prospect. You take him. Do you, do you trust a, a receiver under a rookie quarterback? I mean, I think uh, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert showed us that we could this year. Keenan Allen was absolutely amazing. Uh, T. Higgins did his thing. Tyler Boyd did his thing with Joe Burrow. Uh, so I'm not as worried about that. But I still don't want to take DJ Turk before the fifth or sixth round. Like He should be a huge value this year. And I want to grab him in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. I'm not grabbing him before that. Like, he's still super risky. So. All right. Last but not least, we did promise that we would talk about Josh Jacobs, the RB8. I had him as a third-degree burn. We then moved him down to a first-degree burn. Um, he, I mean, he was being drafted as a running back eight in the first round. Uh, at the end of the first round, the first couple picks in the second round if he fell there. His best week was in week one versus Carolina. Three touchdowns. Only averaged 3.9 rushing yards per game. Yeah. He did have 12 rushing touchdowns, so he wasn't terrible. But without those 12 rushing touchdowns, I mean, good Lord, he would have been so bad. And are we able to trust he's going to put together another 12 rushing touchdowns? That's not an easy thing to do. And he scored nine of those 12 rushing touchdowns in just four games this year. I, I think the biggest concern for me in terms of Josh Jacobs' outlook is just the fact that he felt very game script dependent. And I, I thought... He was used more in the passing game, which I thought would sort of maybe eliminate that narrative, but didn't really seem to eliminate no. that narrative. He still seemed very game script dependent. Um, but I think the issue that you're looking at with Josh Jacobs is, sure, he had plenty of highs, but he had just as many lows. And if I'm looking for a guy that's going to put up a couple of monstrous performances, but then be a dud the rest of the season, like I'll draft Gus Edwards, who had... Uh, like a 17-point game, a 15-point. Like, I'll take that and then deal with all the other messes in between where I'm not obligated to put him in my starting lineup. Yeah, Josh Jacobs, I wouldn't want to touch before the third round because I think that's where he should be going. And with his name um, and talent, he's going to go before that. So Josh Jacobs will not be in any of my teams next year unless he happens to fall. Everybody, let's hear about your soup burns, your first and third degree burns over on Twitter. You can uh, at the show at BallBlastFB. Be sure to check out our website, BallBlastFootball.com, where all of our writers are working very hard. Smash the five-star review if you are so generous. Subscribe so you don't miss a show. And we'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.